Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Crystal, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program, Taking Your Pills on Schedule, Its Importance in t Treating Cancer. Now, this is a very challenging topic for each of you, and um, we have wonderful speakers who are going to address this topic with you, um, and I know you'll have questions during the Q&A part as well. Um, and this is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and many other cancer organizations, and it really is because of this collaboration and your interest in this program that we have over 372 participants on the call today. And you come from all over the United States, um, from different regions of the United States, from both rural, urban, and suburban areas. And we also have international participants from Canada, India, Nigeria, Sweden, and the United Kingdom. So it's a bit of global call as well. Today's program is supported by Pharmacyplex, Inc. and Janssen Biotech, Inc. And I really want to thank them for their support of today's program. Uh, now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, really, uh, really experts in this area. And I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Michael Wong. And Dr. Wong is Professor Melanoma Medical Oncology, University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Wong is going to present an overview of cancer treatments, definition of adherence, what does this mean, taking your pills on schedule, and its importance in treating cancer, managing treatment side effects and pain. And it's now my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Wong. Thank you very much, Dr. Mesner, for the kind introduction. It's indeed an honor and privilege to be able to speak to you all today. Um, and of course, I'm on, a, on an esteemed panel with uh, Ms. Flynn and Dr. Paolo, so it's going to be a great um, session. And I remind folks that I come here to, not just to, to, to speak to you, but I learn from my colleagues as well. This is a great panel. At least to start by saying that uh, as an oncologist and as a physician, I was really uh, pleased to be able to participate in this program because the story I tell everyone is that even people who are in the healthcare field have difficulty with this. And I, the story I always tell is that when my father was, uh, was ill with his chronic illness, in my family there's a doctor, a nurse, and a pharmacist. And it's embarrassing to admit in an open line internationally that we, <laughs> we were not always compliant and we couldn't always get the things right. So I, I, I fully feel your, uh, the, the, the difficulty. Now, let, let's talk about why this is important in cancer. One of the reasons for that is because we have really uh, uh, taken a personalized approach to cancer therapy. And this is a direct uh, result of the uh, benefits of the basic science research we have done. We have identified specific proteins and genes that are, uh, that are um, uh, the Cause, that causes a cancer and causes the cancers to grow. So we have uh, uh, developed uh, uh, drugs that can impact these pathways. Many of these are what we call small molecule inhibitors, which, and many of these are pills. And they, and they have names like uh, mTOR inhibitor, BRAF inhibitor, MEK inhibitors, EGFR inhibitors. And all those names are, BRAF, for instance, is the name of a molecular pathway. mTOR is a um, uh, is a molecular pathway. And so these are medicines which are directed to attack uh, specific genes that are turned on and make cells go from benign to malignant. The one that I'm most familiar with because I work in melanoma is the BRAF gene. And not any BRAF mutation is the V600 mutation. So at the 600th position on the BRAF protein is a, a single amino acid change which causes that to, to be activated. And once the BRAF is mutated, it is uh, 680 times more uh, powerful than when it's not activated. And the end result of the activation of BRAF, it makes uh, that the, um, uh, the cells that are benign become malignant. So it is a key, what we call, driver. And so that's an, a specific example of a pathway. That's not the only one. There's a plethora of these, thank God. And, uh, but the important thing is now we have these pills. And so we are now in a situation where uh, uh, I, I, I somehow, some of these, you know, in some of my days, I actually kind of 
reminisce about the, the old days when people had to come in the hospital and stick their arm out, and we gave them an IV, and in this era of electronic medical record, I can tell to the minute, millisecond, when that patient got the drug, what dose and what schedule. But now we have a shared responsibility with our patients and their caregivers because these pills that we give you are really uh, the, the actual cancer therapy. So I have a very biased definition of uh, adherence, which is basically taking your medicines on time, on dose, on schedule. Uh, and, as you, and as I've already admitted, it's harder than you think. Let me give you, come back to the example of, uh, of uh, the BRAF inhibition. In melanoma, for instance, if you do have the proper molecular mutation uh, uh, and you are eligible to use a BRAF inhibitor, the standard of care is not just to use a pill to, to, to target the BRAF. We also target what's called MEK, M-E-K. Uh, that's another molecular pathway, and we have found that is much more efficacious, much more uh, long-lasting, much more efficient to use dual inhibition. So the standard of care now is not just the BRAF but the MEK. So now these, these, these patients usually have pills that target the MEK, uh, sorry, the, the BRAF, and a pill that targets the MEK. So in order for maximum uh, efficacy, we now have given you two different pills, and they're on different schedules and different doses. So if you're, if you're heading and spinning by now, you know, you're <laughs> you, it will be soon. So I can appreciate how difficult it is. And, of course, some of these medicines have to, have to be carried around refrigerated, and, and so on and so forth. So it's not, you know, with an ice pack or a cool pack. And I work in Houston, so I don't need to tell you what the summers are like here. Absolutely, positively tropical. So that adds into that, that sort of, um, um, uh, you know, this regimen. And, and, and to just digress for one second, the other thing that's really important are side effects. So there are side effects that can occur as a, as a consequence of, of taking your medicines. There's no such thing as the medicine without side effects. And it turns out uh, that what we tend to do, what I automatically do is ask my patient, well, what are you taking and how often? Why? Because I want to go in there and start modifying the schedule uh, with my knowledge of the, the sort of the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. So in English it means with my knowledge of how long the pills last in your body and when uh, the peak levels are when you take each individual pill. So not just taking your pills on time on schedule, but also a standard, stable schedule enables me as a treating physician to go in there and help uh, sort of change things around to help with side effects. And in some crazy feat of nature, when you use in melanoma, we talk about BRAF and MEK, if you actually just take one pill, you get more side effects than, uh, than taking two pills. So this is uh, the opposite of what we expect, right? People say if you take more pills, you have more side effects. In this particular specific case, uh, um, more is less, more, uh, more drug use with less side effects. So it's the opposite of how you would imagine it. So that's why rather than sort of try to manipulate, change things away uh, at home, you know, become our partners and we can try to, you know, sort of uh, make this happen. The second thing is that we, it, we need a very, very detailed knowledge of other medicines you're taking. Um, we're diverting a little bit from the adherence uh, uh, topic, but it's equally important. Why? Because these things can influence things that change uh, in your body. For instance, the, if you take, say, something which affects the acid in your stomach, uh, what we call proton pump inhibitor. Uh, so over-the-counter would be Pepsid, or Protonics, or whatever you can get, even, uh, right? Uh, or even Zantac. That's important to let us know because uh, some of these pills are absorbed according to how uh, your stomach pH is, the acidity in your stomach. So that's important to know. And that also covers things that are uh, uh, over-the-counter and even recreational because it can impact metabolism. Um, I'm looking at my time very closely, and in the next, I just want to talk very briefly on a couple of things. One is that we usually use medicines also to counteract side effects of things. For instance, if you're on uh, some sort of immune therapy and you have uh, your immune system overactive and, uh, and, and, be, and you have some autoimmune toxicity, we use medicines to, as an antidote to that. So there are medicines we give which are antidotes to chemotherapy, medicines we give which are antidotes to, um, to the, uh, the side effects of immune therapy. And so very important that you take these because if you don't adhere to that, your side effects, which we could have, quote, unquote, fixed easily, become problematic. 
And lastly, the last thing I'm going to say is that, you know, work with us because sometimes trying to help people is not trying to help. For instance, if you say, oh, wow, I, these, these pills are too big, I'm just going to cut them in half, uh, which is, uh, you know, some people do. Remember some of the medicines, especially some of the pain medicines, are constructed to be extended release, to have long-acting things. And so that has to do with a, a coating which dissolves and, and opening up the pill or smashing open uh, by cutting it in half sort of, uh, you know, obliviates all that. And so instead of having the medicine go in over a long period of time, you get it all at once, which has its own issues. Uh, my time is up, and, but I wanted to say that, 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 uh, that this is a situation in which uh, I really seek partnership with my patients and, uh, and on their end having a good sense of what, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and a stability of schedule really helps us all out. That's all I have oh, now, and thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Wong. That was really outstanding, and now we all have a better understanding of just all of our humanity, that these are, these are issues that everyone struggles with, and we're trying to figure out ways to help you to, um, to, to, um, to get on top of this, each of you, because it's so important for your, for your care and well-being. And our next speaker is, um, is Ms. Sharon Flynn, and Ms. Flynn is a nurse educator, research and practice development, National Institutes of Health Clinical Research Center. Ms. Flynn actually is going to be addressing taking, uh, talking with your healthcare team about adherence and the challenges you are experiencing, so really letting them know what's going on. Lead time and refilling prescriptions, so weekends, travel, and holidays, um, and clinical trials on adherence, how research can contribute to your treatment options. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Flynn. Great. Thank you, Dr. Messner, for the opportunity to be on the call today. And I would like to say to all of our callers, thank you for participating in today's, um, in today's conference. Um, you're an essential member of the team caring um, for you and possibly for a loved one. And I applaud you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And um, to my colleagues, um, as Dr. Wong said, um, he learns from us and we learn from, from him and Dr. Paleo. So thank you. Um, I'm going to first talk to you about talking to your healthcare team. So communication with your healthcare team is absolutely essential. As caregivers and patients, um, you are the one voice advocating for the very best care. And so I have some practical tips um, that I want to share with you. Um, and the first one is ask questions. Ask questions and keep asking questions until you understand um, what's being said and that you understand it well enough that you're able to go home and explain it to someone else. Um, how many times have we understood something, um, someone was telling us in the heat of the moment, but then we went home and we had a hard time explaining it to someone else? Um, I've been in that situation, and so um, perhaps some of you have. So keep asking questions. Um, and don't be afraid to take notes um, or have a note taker with you. Um, I'm frequently asked to join um, family members or friends that have medical appointments discussing different treatment options or surgeries. And um, as the note taker, um, I also ask questions. Um, maybe there's questions that are difficult for our patients or maybe our primary caregivers to ask that I'm not afraid to ask. Um, but I want to encourage you, there's no question that you can't ask your medical team or share with them. Um, we really want to know what's happening in your life and um, how we can help um, if you're having difficulty with your medication regimen. Sometimes I ask people to draw pictures for me. Um, if I'm just not understanding um, a particular treatment or how it works, um, sometimes a, pitchin, a picture is worth um, a thousand words. So don't be afraid to ask for a picture or a calendar um, or um, really having all the medication names written down. Um, I'm a terrible speller, so sometimes um, I don't always catch the spelling of a medication correctly. And so I'll ask uh, the healthcare team, could you spell that for me? Um, sometimes our names are difficult um, to pronounce and sometimes to spell. And so never hesitate to say, you know, could you just spell your, your, last, your first and last name for me um, and get their contact phone numbers. Um, it's important to have contact phone numbers for your healthcare team, not just during kind of nine to five when the office is open, um, but also on nights, uh, during nights, weekends, holidays, um, 
are there other members of the oncology practice that you can contact? Um, is there a particular uh, unit at the hospital you should call? Um, is, do you know where your local emergency room is um, so that you could direct or drive your family member there if needed? Um, we talked about having um, your healthcare providers, all of their names written down with their phone numbers. Um, it's also important to have their role on the team. Um, so, you know, it's just as important to have the social worker's name and phone number um, as the physician's as the pharmacy contact phone numbers. And you want to make sure that multiple people have that list um, and that you have it multiple places in your house. Um, I know that um, I, my patients right now um, love having it on their phone. And I say, okay, just make sure you've got a written copy somewhere in case the day um, comes around that your phone battery dies or something, uh, there's a glitch somehow and you, that you uh, don't lose all of those phone numbers and contact names. And don't be afraid to speak up. If something doesn't feel right or you just um, are having trouble, you know, um, with uh, comprehending something, keep asking. Um, and this could be something like, oh, gosh, I'm experiencing pain, and I didn't think I would have pain um, on this treatment regimen. Um, it's definitely a time to speak up. Um, or if you have nausea and you're taking a pill to help um, combat the nausea, but it's not working. Um, your healthcare team needs to know that. Um, some other questions that your healthcare team is very interested in knowing is how have you been doing since your last appointment? Um, we want to know, you know, were you able to do the things you wanted to do when you got home? Um, or did you struggle with, with some things? Are you eating and drinking enough? Um, I ask my patients, what did you have for dinner last night? Um, what did you have um, for breakfast two mornings ago? Um, how much fluid are you drinking? Were you able to take all of your medications? Um, were you able to take them on schedule? Or maybe some of them are late. And that's okay. Um, we need to know that. That information is just as important as whether you took the medication um, or not. If you took them late, why was that? Um, are, were the pills too big um, and so you had a hard time swallowing the pill? Maybe we, there's an alternative form that we could get of that pill. Maybe it's a liquid form. Um, uh, you need to check with your team to figure out um, how you could manage that. Um, maybe you're a night owl and getting up at 6 a.m. just isn't going to work for your schedule, but you're up at midnight and shifting that entire treatment schedule works better for you. So please let your healthcare team know about that. Sometimes our cancer treatment regimens are very complex. Uh, like Dr. Wong said, um, you know, you're taking multiple medications. Um, it can get confusing. Um, now, was that two in the morning and one in the evening? What time do I take this other pill? Um, and so it's easy to get confused um, as to when you should take the next medication and when refills are next due. So having a list of all that um, and tracking it on a calendar is just one way to help you get organized with medication refills. The team also wants to know how, um, what activities you were doing. Were you able to get up and walk around um, outside or around your house, or were you um, mostly in bed? And the team, the medical team wants to know, um, is there anything that you're struggling with? Um, are you feeling depressed? Um, are you feeling like this medication may not be working um, to treat your cancer? Um, the, the team wants to know that. Hopefully you feel that the medication is working, um, but if the answer is no or I'm not sure, um, it might be difficult to take those medications. Um, and that's a time to have a conversation with your healthcare team about the goal of your treatment. Um, and if you're feeling depressed, um, maybe you're still in shock with your cancer diagnosis, we want to know about that. Um, we know that this can influence your medication schedule, and you might be tempted to skip a dose of medication because you don't think it matters. And I want to tell you that you are worth fighting for and that it does matter. Please, please let your healthcare team know if you're having these feelings. And then as we move into Filling, refilling your prescriptions, um, it's easy to get caught up in the holidays or if you're traveling and you might forget a dose of a medication. 
So before you go on a trip, um, get organized, um, whether that's having one or two pill boxes. Um, Dr. Paleos is going to talk more about some reminders, um, but I always feel having a checklist helps me. I have a younger patient who sometimes forgets to take his medications, and his sister came up with a regimen where he takes a photograph on his phone of the pill, um, pill box after he's taken the pill and sends it to her so that she can keep track of the exact times that he's taking the pill. Um, establish a routine and try and stick to it as much as possible. If you're changing time zones, um, talk to your healthcare team what you should do, what you should do for this. Sometimes on short trips, we have you just um, stay on your old schedule. But if you're going on a long trip and maybe you're in the United States and you're traveling to Europe um, where it's six, seven, eight hours ahead of time, um, it might be, and you're going there for a couple of weeks, it might be beneficial to change your, your, the timing of your medications. So talk to your team. Um, and it always is helpful to have extra medication when you're traveling. Um, you never know when you might need an extra anti-nausea pill or an extra pain medicine pill. And so to have those extras on you is quite helpful. And then finally, I'm going to talk about um, clinical trials and adhering to um, medications. So cancer pills release that active ingredient over a period of time, um, putting that steady amount of medication in your body. And um, if we think of a pill as kind of a refreshing amount, a refresher of that dose of medication, if you skip one dose uh, of, the of the medicine, um, it's like lowering um, the medication dosage in your body. And so you need to keep up that constant level in your body. And if you're on a clinical trial, um, others are, are looking at that data. Sometimes we are able to draw blood work and know where your blood level is, and sometimes we don't um, know for that particular medication. Um, but we're looking at side effects. We're looking at, um, you know, does this pill cause nausea? Does it cause diarrhea? Um, and then we use that information to help adjust doses for other people on clinical trials. Sometimes we increase the dose or decrease the dose. So communicating with your team when you're, take, when you're enrolled in a clinical trial about the side effects is very important. Um, and it's um, not only important for the team, but for the future people that might be taking that study medication in the clinical trial. And then when the uh, Food and Drug Administration or the FDA in the United States goes to approve that drug, they're going to be looking at everybody that was on that trial and what kind of data they have, what dosage they were taking, what side effects they had, um, how did it help treat their cancer. And so... Um, in closing, I just want to say that um, communication is key to your healthcare team. And if you have any questions, please talk to your healthcare team. That's what we're here for. Um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there should be someone around that will be able to answer your questions. So thank you, Dr. Messner, for being on the call today. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was really outstanding. And really, um, I, the way you ended it is really that, that the team is there for you and, um, and really important to ask those questions and remember how important they are. So I know there'll be questions for you during the, the Q&A as well. And our next speaker is uh, Dr. Uh, Guadalupe Palos. Dr. Palos is a nurse, a social worker, and a doctor of public health. So a bit of her own healthcare team, actually. Um, she's a clinical research manager, Division of Medical Affairs, so Department of Cancer Survivorship, University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Um, and Dr. Palos is going to be addressing barriers to taking your pills and practical tips to overcome these barriers, how family, partners, caregivers, and others may help while planning ahead, and reminders from your pharmacy and pharmacist telephone, computer, and tablet reminders, including texts and apps. So now it's my great pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Palos. Thank you, Dr. Messner, for the opportunity to be involved in this discussion that is so important. It's an important topic because it impacts patients, their caregivers, family members, and even us, the providers who care for them. We all recognize the importance of taking medications as prescribed by our providers and to follow the instructions that we're giving. 
We also know that following a medication treatment plan is necessary to improve patient outcomes. As one challenge, though, is the number of medications, such as oral cancer medication, increases. The responsibility of self-managing these medications often fall on the patients and their caregivers. The issue of taking meds on schedule becomes even more critical when managing medication regimens needed to treat cancer and its side effects, such as like pain medication. And in addition to pain medication, a person may be also be taking medication prescribed for other conditions, such as hypertension, diabetes, arthritis, or other illnesses. My colleagues, Dr. Wong and Ms. Flynn, gave, a, gave practical and important information. And it really reminded us of the complex and multiple struggles that we all can face in keeping track of all the details related to complex medication regimens on a daily basis. But we also know how we as caregivers and providers that we can support patients in achieving optimal adherence when being prescribed medications on a short or long-term basis. In the next few moments, I'll briefly address the questions and the topics that Dr. Messner outlined. Um, I will, again, just touch on the barriers toward taking medications and ways to overcome these. I'll describe strategies that patients and caregivers can use to be proactive in asking specific questions of their healthcare team. And then finally, I'll present the information on some of the ways, traditional, such as making handwritten schedules or innovative strategies for medication reminders, such as all the techie things like mobile apps, text-to-phones, and other techniques. Let's begin by talking about some of the common reasons for not following medication treatment plans. Research and feedback from patients and caregivers indicated that about one-third of cancer patients admitted that they didn't always follow their medication regimen, and that more than half admitted that they often forgot a dose. What those statistics tell us is that they're human, just like the rest of us. As Dr. Wong gave that beautiful example of his family, we know even healthcare professionals have difficulty in following complex treatment regimens. But there are factors, and I'm going to outline a few. One is patient provider patient communication. Sometimes patients don't receive adequate education or information. And it may be that they, or it could also be that they receive it, but maybe they weren't able to take it all in by themselves. If they went to the visit by themselves, or maybe it was overwhelming for the caregiver and the patient. So, on the other, so it's important for patients and families to ask questions and not to think that they're bothering the providers if they take the time to ask the questions. There can be financial barriers, such as having a co-payment tied to each medication. And if that is a problem, I'd like to remind you that cancer care provides services in this area. And Dr. Messner will cover a few other uh, resources that are available. There's patient characteristics that contribute to adherence and non-adherence, such as age, ability to read, or even see the instructions, mental health status, or even cognitive status. Patients and caregivers may also have concerns about the side effects or interactions which may occur when taking their medications, especially if there are many pills to be taken or if the patient is an elder. And here I'm going to describe elder as 65 years or older. Sometimes um, our older populations are on, again, different medications for other chronic diseases that they may have. There's also psychosocial factors that have been found to significantly contribute to non-adherence. Examples include a patient's personal beliefs toward health, illness, and wellness, the presence or absence of a social support network um, that can be available to help the patient maintain the repel schedule, and a crucial area often overlooked by providers but very important to patients and family members are cultural or religious beliefs, practices, and traditions that can influence one's decision whether to take medication, medications as scheduled or not at all. Now take a moment and ask yourself, have you encountered these types of challenges? And if so, how did you deal with them? Perhaps those of you who have successfully dealt with these types of examples may wish to share your tips with the audience during our question and answer period. Your information may help others in the call. So a question many of you may have by now is, okay, I know now about the barriers and the challenges, but tell me how to deal with them so we can get back on track for taking meds as scheduled. Well, I'd like to share some tips on how to manage these challenges. It's important to begin first with effective communication with your healthcare team about your treatment plan. One of the most important strategies is to receive clean and concise information and instructions from your healthcare team. 
develop and maintain regular and open communication between the prescribing provider, the pharmacy, the caregivers, and, of course, the patient. And again, the team may include other physicians, other office staff, pharmacists, and there are the invaluable pharmacy techs that also can provide good information. Ask questions about treatment plans that sound confusing, or if the medications are new ones, or if the regimen is complex and confusing, ask if there's a way to simplify the plan. And Ms. Flynn, um, Flynn gave some excellent strategies for that. Ask if your plan can be tailored to your needs or work schedule. Most likely, your healthcare team will work with you to develop a customized treatment plan that can fit into your lifestyle. Again, do not be embarrassed to admit the questions or, I mean, the instructions are difficult to understand. Clarify and verify any questions or uncertainty about your treatment plan. And again, so those are some ways to keep open uh, that effective communication. As healthcare providers, those of you on the call that are healthcare providers, we can educate the patient and the caregiver about the danger of missed doses, warn about taking double doses at one time to make up for a missed dose, and we can teach patients and survivors about the dangers related to taking multiple medications. Are they supposed to be taken all at once? Can some be taken together and others alone? Are they supposed to be taken with food or without food? Remember, each individual is unique in their response to different medication, so the answers to these questions will be tailored to meet the specific needs of the patient. A second tip is to learn the importance of planning ahead of time. That is to have some lead time whenever a holiday, weekend, or travel is scheduled. Travel can be a 40-minute drive to a, a daughter or a son for the home for the afternoon, or it can be a five-hour flight for 10 days out of state. We heard some tips earlier, but I'm going to give you a few more in preparing for a trip. Keep a schedule of when refills are due. This is very important. It helps minimize the risk of being in another state or country and running out of medication. Carry a small carry-on bag with all the medications either stored in a prescription container or in their original bottles, depending on the length of the trip and the route of transportation. Keep a small index card in a family member's wallet as well as the patient's wallet listing all the medications, their dosages, time to be taken, and how to be taken. On the back of the index card, write down the names and contact information of the physicians prescribing the medication, the pharmacy where the medication was obtained, and include emergency information for each provider or pharmacy. And for those of you that don't like to handwrite any longer, you can also type this up on a computer. You can ask your physician to write a letter stating that he or she has prescribed the following medications and have a list of the medications. And it's helpful to make copies of this letter and give one to each primary caregiver. It's also helpful to communicate with your pharmacist, ask about the pharmacy's policies regarding refills if you lose your meds or run out of pills while out of town. Some pharmacies will provide enough refills to last until you get back home or you reach your prescribing physician. Thirdly, it's important to Follow the schedule, dose, and correct medication as prescribed. There are many different ways to keep track of the schedule, by pill reminders, telephone, computer, or tablet reminders. There's also many different ways to organize the medications. For example, you can create a calendar. Um, the old-fashioned way is just write your notes on it, or you can type it up, or you can place it on your phone if, you know, with the smartphones that we have now. If you like visual reminders and prefer written aids, make a poster of your meds. Color code them to indicate the purpose. Note the time, the dose, and how to take the medication. Is it by mouth and swallow, by mouth and dissolve? I mean, what specifically? And you can even make this a family affair and get everyone involved in coming up with a, a nice poster that's creative and visually pleasant for you. You can use pill reminders. You can use the pill containers by day or week. They come in different me methods. Um, excuse me, different sizes. There are also, and I was surprised to hear this, there's also pill uh, time reminders that beep and vibrate when it's time to take your medicine. And then there are services that will build your own pill packs and mail them directly to your home. So if you think that there, there's something techie-wise that you'd like to use, you can explore the use of the iPhones, computers, and tablet reminders. You can set up alarms on electronic devices, your smartwatch, your phone, your computer, or your iPad. Look into the use of mobile medication reminders. Just visit your app store on iTunes, um, and these can be used on an iPhone, iPad, or iPod. If you have an Android phone, you can go to Google Play Store and find devices by using the term medication reminders. 
I'm going to just go quickly through a few apps that are available. There's some mobile apps available free at no cost for Androids and smartphones. There's MediSafe, Meds and Pill Reminders, DoseCast, MediCoach. So you know that, again, uh, you can... These are available. You just have to look at them and see if it fits your lifestyle and your and what you, your purposes are. There's apps only for smartphones, like Remind Me Prescription, and then there's apps only for Android phones, which include like Pocket Nurse. Finally, in closing, I'd like to remind each of you on the call to maintain a balance. Plan ahead and prioritize depending on your situation and medications. My colleagues and I look forward to hearing from you and the suggestions you may have for caregivers and those they care for on how to take medications as schedule. Thanks so much for allowing me to share these thoughts with you. This concludes my remarks. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Palos. That was outstanding and a lot of wonderful tips for everybody to think about. And we want you to kind of think about then things that work for you also and questions you may have as well. But I think Dr. Palos' comment that Many of you may have tips that have worked for you that you may want to share with us during the Q&A. Before we take the q and I just want to say a few words about the services you can access from Cancer Care. Um, and Dr. Palos alluded to the fact that we do offer both practical and financial assistance. Um, we do offer just general financial assistance, and also we have a copay foundation. Um, we also have a staff for national organizations, so we serve people throughout the United States, um, and we um, provide a counseling services, which means an opportunity to talk with our trained oncology social workers. I'll have a master's degree in social work. And um, you can talk to them on the telephone or online. And um, you can talk to them about any of your concerns. So many people will call us about concerns about how do I talk to my boss about my cancer? How, to, how do I talk to my children um, about, about having cancer? What do I say to them? Depending on their ages, how do I handle this? Um, and so there are lots of different issues that you all confront on a day-to-day -day basis um, living with cancer, and also how, do I, how can I afford my medications? How can I get them filled? What, what can I do? What, what kind of help can you provide me with um, in terms of that as well? And so um, and these are services that are available to all of you, um, and there is no cost to contact us. And um, we have, um, at the moment, about 138 online support groups. So we have groups, online support groups for people living with different types of cancers. We have groups for young adults, older adults, middle-aged adults. We have groups for, um, we also have a, a Cancer Care for Kids program and teens. Um, the parents need to be involved for those children to participate in those programs. Um, and we also, parents or guardians, um, and we also um, have um, just a number of just opportunities for you to interface with us through different programs and services that we provide. We have lots of these educational workshops and, of course, lots of publications as well. So with that all being said, um, we now do have time for your comments or tips that you'd like to share that work for you or um, any questions that you may have. So I'm going to ask Crystal to explain to you how to queue up for questions or, or tips or comments, and, um, and, um, and we'll let them begin. We'll try to take as many of them as possible. Crystal? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. And again, ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, please press star and then 1. So actually, I'm with a comment from one of our online participants. Um, so it's Dr. Palos to start with. Um, so um, it, uh, thanking you for the great tips and then saying that older adults are not always so good with apps and smart technology. What are the best ways to ensure medication um, is taken in older adults? That's an excellent question, and um, there's a couple of different ways, uh, and I know exactly what you're saying about some of those apps because they are pretty sophisticated sometimes. As I mentioned, you know, some of the ways can be just the old-fashioned way. Just get a calendar, write down the meds that are there. The other thing is if you have, I'm sure there may be someone, if not a family member, you can go to the library, and you can have someone help you type up the list of your medications, and then you can have it and you can put it on the refrigerator, and that will be a nice visual. Um, reminder for you. One of the things that worked really well, we ha uh, took care of, of a patient um, who had advanced kidney cancer, and his uh, wife were the pri and his wife was the primary caregiver. Well, we 
found out that he was still, no matter what we did, we could not manage his pain effectively. That's what he was reporting to us. And we finally realized after a while that both the patient and the spouse could not read. They had literacy issues. And so they had a huge family. They had 12 children. And so what they did is they called a family conference, and they got everybody together to the house. Of course, they had a a meal, and they made posters. And the kids got involved, the grandchildren got involved, their children got involved, and they color-coded the pills because I I believe this patient must have had at least 10 different medications. So the yellow ones were this, the green ones were this. Of course, they had to be creative on some of the colors because there were so many different pills. But that became, I mean, a really central point of care, and it was also, a nice discussion point because whenever anybody came in, they could see, you know, the poster and, and talk about how creative and colorful it was. So that is another way, you know. And then, you know, if you can, you might want to even explore some of the techniques that just kind of beep, you know. And you can get those sent to your telephone if you have a telephone um, that's like an Android or a smartphone. I think nowadays most folks do try to have some type of mobile phone, and there's some services that um, have mobile phones with larger numbers and that are user-friendly for um, our older population. I hope that helps. Um, And if you have additional questions to that, please feel free to continue asking them. Excellent. Thank you. That's great. And that that example is is so amazing in terms of just all the things that that the family did to try to help. That was really, everyone got into it, everyone got into it, and with food. So <laughs> it was important to say there was a meal, and, right. and, then, and then everybody got into this activity. And um, so, um, and also sometimes I think, well, do other, do other speakers want to add something as well? Okay, comprehensive. Dr. Mester? Yes. Dr. Wong here. Oh, yes. Can I just say a few words about and add oh, on yes, to So, um, you know, people sometimes use, uh, you know, pill boxes and things like that. And just, uh, and and I've treated kidney cancer patients in the past and understand a multitude of pills. But some of them, I remember a case where the family is trying to be helpful, put the pills into pill boxes. And one of the things that became obvious was that one of the pills was particularly difficult to open up. And the reason for that is because it's one of these sort of, you know, uh, bulletproof blister packs. And the reason for that mm-hmm. was the fact that it was uh, moisture and light sensitive. So that's another thing as well. So in our quest to help people, sometimes these packaging can be onerously difficult for a reason. And so that's another thing to think about. One of the things that we have in many oncologists' offices are uh, either <clears throat> nurse practitioners, mid-levels, or pharmacists who are very knowledgeable So, in these aspects. So please reach out to folks and, and uh, ask questions. Uh, and communication is the core of this. Uh, so here's a, I just want to provide an example. We're trying to help sometimes um, gets in the way of, the, of, of what we're trying to do. And it's not always obvious. That's, that's, that's such an excellent point, and um, I'm also thinking about people who might have arthritis. Ms. Um, you want to comment on that and just have difficulty. Like the, 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 sometimes the, just the gen, even the regular pill containers are difficult to open, and what could be done about that? Because that could be um, the childproof ones can be very difficult to open sometimes. And, yeah, and that's very true, and if folks have arthritis in their hands, you know, it's even more difficult. Everything is supposed to be a safety issue now, so you have to press down on the cap a certain way and then twist it at the same time. There's been times when we've had to take our medications to the pharmacy to ask them to open it for us. I mean, it becomes that challenging sometimes, and that's okay. You know, don't feel embarrassed to do that. Go. I mean, you. I mean, again, the pharmacy staff is excellent, and they're always willing to help on things like that. Excellent. Fantastic. And we have um, another question um, from one of our online participants. Um, um, let's see. Um, I'm 57 years old and diagnosed about four years ago with cancer. Um, I'm overwhelmed by trying to take all my medications on schedule. Tips would be appreciated. So for that one, um, uh, let's see. Um, Ms. Flynn, would you like to address that? Sure, sure. And um, thank you for that question. Um, I, I know that you're not the only person struggling with that. 
Um, and I would say um, set up an appointment with um, your oncologist, your, your nurse practitioner, your pharmacist, and review all the medications. Um, see if there's a better schedule that works for you. Um, maybe there's some pills that can be eliminated. Maybe um, there's pills if they move, around, move the schedule around um, would be a little bit easier um, to take. Um, I always find talking to the pharmacist um, particularly helpful um, when I'm, I'm confronted with, gosh, I've got 15 medications and I've got to juggle them throughout the day. Um, what is the best way that, uh, to handle that? Um, so that would be my suggestion. And does anyone else want to add anything? Okay, excellent. And. Um so this, uh, this question, this has come up before, but um, again, I, it, it sounds like it's one that merits repeating. Um, and this one would be, uh, Dr. Wong, I'm not very tech savvy. Do you have tips for helping keep track of medications and treatment schedules that do not rely on technology? Right. So, I mean, I, I have personal experience with this uh, as well because, you know, my, uh, my father got ill. You know, he's from the old country. Uh, a very smart man, but not formally educated, and and so we, uh, I, I, I think you have to be inventive and also culturally sensitive to what things are and and how people interact with the world. And this is one where uh, the healthcare team should spend a little time diving into it, as well. When I practice in uh, in, in Los Angeles, you know the the community there very mixed, and sometimes you have to, to understand where people are coming from, what what is helpful. I like physical aids. Things like pillboxes and 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 things that are, you know, very very simple to operate and visual, and so people can look at it. You know, pillboxes that go Monday to to, to to Sunday, for instance, and say, okay, this is Monday. I took it, and here I am, right? The technology part comes in when you want to have some things that are automated, right? So phones and things like that. But technology can be as simple as uh, a kitchen timer. It can be as simple as um, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, calendars and things that you write on. It doesn't have to be high tech only, uh, only because it, uh, only because the end of the day, you, it has to be something that works for the person involved. Some of these things are very cultural as well. So uh, they lived in a uh, uh, sort of a, in a community of folks that are culturally very homogeneous. So in a Chinese sort of. Uh, I'm Asian, so in a Chinese sort of uh, 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 assisted living facility. So people gathered up and had helped themselves. They had a community of folks that remind themselves. So it's not just physical things, but things around you and sociologically. And, of course, family is always important. So we would be calling them and saying, did you or did you not you know, take the medicine, and so on and so forth. It doesn't have to be high tech. It just has to be uh, things where you are paying attention. Excellent. Any other comments on that? That was a really comprehensive answer. Thank you. Um, can I add on? This is Sharon. Yes, please. Yes. Um, I, I think Dr. Wan had an excellent point to um, enlist the help of those uh, distant caregivers, too. It's a great way for them um, to be involved in the care and checking up um, to say, hey, it's uh, 7 p.m., it was time for that medication. Um, I'm calling to check and see how you're doing today and just to remind you while we're talking um, to take that medication. Um, they can also be very instrumental in keeping track of when it's time for a prescription refill, um, making the call to the pharmacy or emailing them to get that prescription refill going um, or having it home delivered. Um, so I think it's a great time to get long-distance caregivers um, involved. Excellent. Um, and I we would have, just like to oh, add yes, something, yes. Dr. Messner, if you don't mind. Again, yeah. you know, all of these tips are excellent tips. But if you don't communicate that you're having challenges to the healthcare team or to anyone in your family, then it does create a, a, a problem. And that example that I gave you of um, the patient and the spouse, they were, uh, you know, he was the patriarch of this large family, and he did not want to admit. Even their children did not know that they didn't know how to, how to, um, you know, read well, and and it was surprising to them, and they really felt embarrassed, and you know, the children did because you know, and they had never bothered to ask mom and dad, and then they started finding out. Oh yeah, he always said he was missing his glasses and things like that. 
So a key point, again, is effective communication. Do not be embarrassed. We are all, you know, we're all human, and many of us, and including me on this call, um, you know, we have faced the same challenges. So be comfortable in speaking to your health care team about these issues. Uh, Dr. Okay. Mentioner, one last thing yes. from Dr. Wong here. Yes. Uh, yes. Even though the patient proper is not technically savvy, the family and the people around him may be. So, for instance, uh, I know situations where uh, the, 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 the children and the relatives program the, uh, the phone to, to, to have alarms during pill time. And, and when the alarm goes off, you, you know, it's, it, they know how to just dismiss the alarm. That's easy. But the setting up of the alarm and so forth may be difficult. But once that's done, that's something that, 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 that's ongoing. And so that's an example where, you know, you may not have to, you, you may not be tech savvy, but I would, I mean, I would just bring in folks usually under the age of 16 to help me do things <laughs> in myself. And so, and so I think that's time. And, and, and I fully understand the issue of being a patriarch or matriarch of a family. Asians are very much this way. We, we, we have our own. But I remind folks that life is a circle. And uh, at one point, we take care of our children, and at some point, they take care of us. That's also one of the communication, not just with the health care giver, but within family. And sometimes the passing of the flame and the, ma- is, uh, and the responsibility is, 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 is quite a, uh, a cultural shift change, but all which we agree has to occur at one time or another. So that's, that, that engenders a whole lot of internal conversations with the family. This is such really real points that everyone is struggling with. Thank you so much, all of you. Our speakers are really, the questions are wonderful, and our speakers are really letting you all know that we're all, you know, human, and we really, that kind of circle of, of helping each other is really so important. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, and we have a question. Um, this is an interesting question. Um, I'm going to ask Dr. Halos to begin with it. Um, how to handle a person who wants to take a break from the medications on weekend needs for time off from being ill? It's like a vacation from being ill. Um, how how to handle this? Um, and it's coming from a, a it's from a, a it's from online. It's from a, a, someone who wants to help help with that, but recognizes this problem. Oh, that is analogies. a very um, interesting question. I believe I w- the best thing to do with number one is uh, talk to the healthcare team because some of those medications may not be able to be stopped midway or in you know for a few days you know especially in some of the chemo medications they need to go through you know a daily regular um, schedule. I can understand where someone would want to take a break, but maybe the break could be also that instead of taking. 10 medications, maybe they're going to take four medications. But something like that, it's so critical to communicate that desire or that wish to the healthcare team. And then the healthcare team, along with the caregiver and the patient, can plan and discuss what is reasonable and safe. Because remember, you know, we want everyone to be safe with all these medications also. What is reasonable and safe given the medication plans that you're, you're on? You know, sometimes with this disease, uh, I know patients tell me all the time, you know, I'm just, I feel like I have no control. And I think medications is one of the areas that sometimes patients feel that they have no control. So if the person feels that way, you know, don't tell them no right away, but just sit there and say, let's go make an appointment or let's go talk to our healthcare team or the nurse practitioner or the advanced um, provider that's there. You know, but I would, I would really, you know, caution about just stopping it in all medications cold turkey without telling anyone. You need, you know, that communication, again, you keep hearing me say that because it is so important and critical when we're talking about medication plans. And, and actually, um, yes, that's an excellent, excellent point. And others, do you want to add to it? Um, Dr. Wong, I'm Swin, in terms of... Yeah, just, Dr. Dr. Mezzi, if you don't yeah. mind, I, I, never yes, forgot yes. A, I never forgot the situation where uh, one of my patients who was on oral medications uh, wanted the opportunity to fly out to uh, an aircraft carrier and come home with his son. They were allowing families to do that as they were um, coming back from deployment, and he really wanted to do that. So we knew that the we and this is where uh, you know the healthcare team's knowledge about uh, pharmacokinetics and dynamics is important. 
Um, we know that if you've been on a pill for a period of time, there's a, what we call steady state. That means that there's enough buildup in your blood that we know that, that as it goes down and decays as you stop the pill, that it doesn't go away immediately after, um, after you stop the medicine. So we actually uh, uh, figured out on a schedule how to do this. And this particular medication uh, had a two-week uh, break built in and so we, we finessed that time to give them the time to go out there. That was important to them. We have patients that say, um, I'm, I'm going to get married, and I need to, I need to you know, be in, in the best possible physical situation for that. And then we will work around that as well. I think, I think if it's not just holding medication but understanding what the disease state is, do we have good control of the cancer, uh, or not is in what stage of the cancer we're, we're dealing with. I think it's more difficult if you're taking a medication that is, to, uh, um, uh, you know, to to treat a side effect or to counter or, or, or medicate as an antidote, because you know we're treating a side effect, we're treating something that came up, we're treating uh, an example is infection, right? You want to make sure that you're on. So those have a little less flexibility. But then again, again, you you can work with the knowledge of the medicines and their and their sort of uh, half-life in the body. Uh, we have medicines that we sometimes substitute, you, you know, a long-acting medication that you can take less frequently uh, as opposed to uh, frequent uh, ingestions of a short-acting medicine. So uh, some of the pain relief medications fall into that category. And there are new formulations that come out that, some, that, are, uh, that can change the absorption, make it longer or shorter, so there's lots of ways to do this, and I'm getting a little bit technical, but I just want to impress upon you there, there are technical ways to get at it. Again, communication is so important. You know, tell people what your life is like. And I tell folks, you know, when we're doing well in cancer care, you don't shape your life around a the therapy. We shape the therapy around your life. Right? We, and my job is to get you to the point where that's what, what's happening. Right? So, uh, so work with uh, the healthcare team and your knowledge of the, the medicine. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and here we have a question from a um, different, different note, one of our online participants, um, about is there an online resource source that can help create um, personal prescription record instead of writing it down? So they can have a whole personal prescription record that is online. So, um, uh, Ms. Flynn, do you want to address that or do you? We don't, um, so at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, um, we have a, a printout like other pharmacies have for medications. Um, what we do is our research teams will create a schedule in a, like an Excel spreadsheet and then um, give it to any of our patients. Um, and, but I don't know um, of any specific programs because we don't utilize them. So I defer to my colleagues. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Um, and, so um, can, can I just pipe up yes, some of our yes, electronic yes. medical some of our electronic medical records? Uh, ask patients to input what they're taking, and that goes into into the medical record. And uh, it's a two-way street. You have it. You you can then look into your record and see what's on it. And uh, you have the capability in some situations to print out that list. So it's a joint, it's a sort of a jointly kept list, right? Because it's part of your medical record. You input to it, and we confirm it with you. And we do what's called med, med, medication reconciliation, which is part of our good practices. Which we will go to a patient and says, "This is what your list says. This is what you're taking," and you sort of check it, check things on or off, right? And then that list is available to your to the individual patient. As they access their electronic their medical record electronically, um, so that's an example of a, of a shared responsibility. Excellent. Um, and I believe also some pharmacies have the capability of doing um, keeping track of everything and in, in, uh, online for everyone in terms of them. If, if you're going to the same pharmacy, of keeping track of everything. Does anyone have experience with that on our team here? Yes, oh, I know that the, some of the yeah. – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dr. Long. No, go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. I was just going to follow up on, on that, that, that some of the uh, pharmacies themselves have uh, different ways to help you with your prescription schedule. They can give you a personalized uh, schedule that summarizes all the medications. It'll have the dosage um, so you don't miss the, the, the dose again. And they also do some color coding and different things like that. So it would be good to, to just speak to your pharmacy team and find out what types of of uh, programs they have that can help you to get that schedule like that. And, again, the apps and all that might, would most likely have those, but they'd be on an app. But if you want something handwritten that you can hold and look at, that, um, that would be a, a good place to start is asking your pharmacy if they have any of those uh, personalized prescription schedules. Dr. Wong? I would only add to that that uh, that, that works best for those individuals who are getting all the medications from one pharmacy. But in cancer care sometimes, because of the <clears throat> intricate nature uh, of some of these medications, and some of them are pretty rare as too, depending on what is you know, the nature of the cancer, a lot of the regular pharmacies won't stock it, and they go to ancillary uh, sort of pharmacies which are charged with dispensing these specialized, we call them specialty pharmacies. So that's a difficulty um, uh, with that. But I... I I, but for folks that are taking regular medication, blood pressure medication, so on and so forth, from a single source, especially from pharmacies that are dispensing long-term 90-day supplies, uh, you, you get automatically listed what you're on. And some of the pharmacies will actually give you reminders also when you're due for refills. And when we fill them, they'll call you and let you know they refilled it and you should pick it up. So that if it's, again, but again, many of you go to multiple pharmacies, that's a good point. Uh, Dr. Wong. So if it's multiple pharmacies or mail order, it all makes a difference. Um, so, um, and we have another question here. Um, so here we have a, it's a more of a, I guess it's a comment here. Um, maybe it's a tip, but some hospitals have a form for patients to complete with name, dosage, how often, and reason for taking type of medication. Um, and I'm not sure if that form is then online or whether it's a printable form. So some of your institutions may provide this already. Is that correct? This is one of the large cancer centers that does this. That's correct. We try to put everything online or electronically because then multiple people can access it. But here is the most important thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you have it online or in a medical record, we can do what's called drug-drug interaction checking. In other words, if I inadvertently prescribe something which may interact with the medicine uh, in a bad way or a good way, who knows, but if it interacts, you get a flag. So that goes even for over-the-counter stuff. Um, we here uh, enter it electronically. The nurse will talk to you and enter it in, and we're now rolling out in individual clinics in a sort of an iPad or Android pad sort of format where you're typing it in as you're waiting for the appointment. Um, and then a nurse confirms it with you. That's why it's important to have it in one place. And then what, and we know that you can look at it electronically in your own, at, in, on your own computer, on your own phone, whatever, uh, because we have a secure way of, of letting you look at your own record. And then that's, how, that's what I mean by shared responsibility. Uh, we, you help us with it, and we make sure that we maintain it with you. That's a very good point in terms of the, because many of you may take not only drugs for your cancer treatment, but you also may take drugs for actually um, other health problems um, that you may have, and that drug-drug interaction is really so important in terms of, so just all being a, a very aware of that. Um, um, this has been a phenomenal call. I want to I thank all of our speakers, and I want to thank all of our participants um, who really asked really such great questions. They're a very informative group today, I must say, um, both on speakers and from the participants as well who really asked um, such great, great questions. Um, um, so here, I'm sorry, there was a follow-up to this. It says, so the institution provides a form, and then you pick it up at each visit and bring it to all your doctors. So is that, does that make sense, Dr. Wong, that you would do that, that you'd be able to actually, the, the form then, it's a form that they could then, is printable, and then they can take it to doctors who may not be connected to that institution. Is that correct? Correct. So, in mm -hmm. fact, it's even more sophisticated than that. And uh, we happen to have an electronic medical record called EPIC, and in other mm -hmm. EPIC institutions, if you're given permission, can look into our EPIC. So they can see 
uh, what the, rent, the medical records, not all of it, but most of it, the important parts, <coughs> excuse me, and, and, and see even a drug list. We can print it out and you can walk around with it to all the other people. If you're inside our institution or have other, or seeing doctors are on the EPIC system, they can look right in. No need to carry paper. So imagine that. I would just like to add uh, also that many of the hospitals now have their own version of MyChart. And if you have not signed up to use that, whatever kind of hospital you're in, whether it's a comprehensive cancer center or a general hospital, the majority of hospitals now offer that service. And you can go set up your account, um, and then you can go in if, and, and you, know, you can get all of that information. It has all kinds of information there uh, related to your medical care. If you don't have the, the technology or you don't want, you know, it's challenging for you on the technology, I think Dr. Wong's idea of getting those folks that are like 16 and under to help you set that up or get that information would also be helpful for you. But that is an, another way to get the information summarized and available to you. So this, we could actually go on all afternoon, but I, we did say this would be an hour program, and I want to thank our speakers. They're phenomenal. And I want to thank, actually, all of our participants who really um, have really um, added to the call um, as well. And so, um, and they did, and some people did actually, they most asked questions, but we did have some tips as well and some questions that provided additional tips. So this is a, a great call, one that we'd love to do again as well. It's one that you can never do enough of because it's, it's a struggle for everybody, as I think we all heard. Um, I, I just want to thank you all for participating. I did say that if you, I know many of you still have questions uh, in queue. If you didn't get your question answered, of course, we definitely recommend, even for those of you who actually um, asked a question today, take any information you got back to your treating healthcare team. We never want to sidestep your own healthcare team. They know you the best. They know a lot about you, um, and so please take any information back to them. Um, also, for those of you who wish to check somewhere else in terms of getting your questions answered, um, we, of course, have all of these organizations that are listed um, as collaborating organizations. They all have wonderful resources for you to contact. I, I often recommend the National Cancer Institute as a resource as well. It's a wonderful resource. It has both an 800 number and it has a website, www.cancer.gov. And what's great about their website for everybody is that it has, for those of you who like to use a live chat feature, is that you can post your question on Get Help Now, and the information specialist will address your question. Um, we'll check their whole databases about the question you're asking. So, um, and you'll be, when you get your evaluation at the end of today's program, Actually, it'll probably take a day to get the evaluation. When you get the evaluation, in the evaluation, we will include all the resources that we can think of that were mentioned today, and that also that are aware, that we're aware of that would be helpful to you in in managing the, this issue of the, of, of the call today. Um, and also, um, as we conclude the program today, none of us want any of you to feel that you're alone in struggling with this issue. If you if you don't have family, if you don't have friends, you may have neighbors. If you live, you know, depending on how what your living situation is like, um, you also your team, your healthcare team, need to know if there's any support for you or if there isn't, so they can build in support for you um, to get the help you need. Some of you also have concerns about the cost of your medications, which um, is an is an issue for many people. And I have to say that um, there are programs to assist with the cost. There are financial assistance programs. There are copay assistance programs. So please don't throw up your hands and think nothing can be done. Things can be done so that you can, so if, med if the cost of the medication is prohibitive for you to take the medication, please share that with your healthcare team. And also please do contact Cancer Care as well because we do have resources to help you. Um, and if we don't have them ourselves, we have some ourselves, and if there are others out there that we know of, we will refer you to them. And we also have two programs coming up that might be of interest to some of you, um, and you'll be getting the information in your materials as well after the call. But you're getting, um, we are having a program on a wholly different topic on joys and challenges of pets in your home when you have cancer. So that's a program that's coming up on April 8th. And we have another program on managing eye and vision changes related to cancer treatments, and that's coming up on April 15th. So there's more coming up, and you'll get the whole schedule of upcoming programs. So again, I want to thank you for your participation today on the program. You now know that if you feel it when you're feeling alone, you can call us at Cancer Care, and there are lots of resources out there for all of you. Thank you all, and have a wonderful day.
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.